Welcome back to the Down in Distance podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Morton, and I'm joined by Hunter Wright. Hunter, we, we, we didn't get the preview out. We didn't get the preview episode out last week, which is fine. You know, life happens. Been busy. You know, you've been doing stuff in Texas. But, wow. We're back, and what a wild weekend of football. Yeah, we didn't get that episode out, but basically, for all the listeners out there, everything that happened this weekend, we predicted. That's all you need to know. Yeah, literally on the episode, I gave out probably like 50 picks, and they all hit. Yeah, we did a yeah 50-team parlay. It hit. We're millionaires now. Yeah, and so, Hunter, let's start with the headlines. Let's start with the biggest thing that happened in college football, and that was the upset of the Oklahoma Sooners in Manhattan, Kansas. The Kansas State Wildcats taking down Jalen Hurts. Yeah, uh, K-State is a good team, um, and this was a game I hovered around that, uh, around that 24, 23-and-a-half point line for a while. I really liked K-State in that situation. Uh, it was at 23-and-a-half at kickoff. I didn't love that number. I wanted it to be at 24, so I ended up not taking it. And then K-State, you know, they, they just end up winning the whole damn thing straight up. I mean— Pretty impressive. I knew K-State was a good team coming into this. They're one of the only teams in the Big 12 that actually play defense, which is impressive. Uh, the fact that they were able to slow down Oklahoma, though, that was fantastic. They're playing Kansas this week, and that's going to be a really good game now that Kansas is actually decent with less miles. But, yeah, this game, I expected K-State to cover in this game. Did not expect them to win straight up, though. Can, can we stop talking about how improved the Oklahoma defense is? I'm, I mean, this is... They were they were so fraudulent. I mean, think about it. You know, everyone keeps saying they kept saying coming into this week, "Oh, Jalen Hurts uh, is finally you know is is the guy." And which which he had a good game. I mean, he was able to you know at the end of the day, he was able to put some numbers up in garbage time to make the game a lot closer than it was. But going into the game, you were thinking, "Okay, Oklahoma's defense has improved," and everybody kept saying, "This is a defense that can win them a national title finally." But guess what? They couldn't stop a nosebleed. I mean, Kansas State, I mean, they were so efficient running the football. I mean, they were dominating uh, every every asset, every aspect of the game. So props to the Wildcats. Props to Chris Kleiman. Uh, I, I, I didn't think that Kansas State was going to win outright, but, uh, I mean, I didn't feel comfortable if I, you know, if I had an Oklahoma ticket just because uh, of how tough the environment was and, you know, how Kansas State had, had you know, played some tough games. They had, you know, beat a couple good teams, and man, shout out to them. But I gotta say this, you know, Jalen Hurts Heisman talk that's over, and people are now realizing that like anybody can play quarterback at Oklahoma. I think, and it's it's not really saying much that you're putting up all these numbers and in the same system because that's that's really what all Oklahoma quarterbacks are caring about now, right? Yeah, well, see, I don't know if it's over yet because I saw at one point in this game, I think it was in the third quarter, he had every yard but six yards, I think, at one point in this game, six rushing yards. He obviously accounted for all their passing yards, and he had 95 rushing yards at the time. I'm not exactly sure the stats he ended up with, but Jalen played a good game, and he helped get them back into it. They almost got that onside kick. Uh, it was recovered but then overturned, uh, just barely grazed, like, grazed that guy's knee pad on like the nine-and-a-half yard uh mark after the kick so a little bit unlucky there from them 
So they they did well to get back in the game. Jalen fought hard. This definitely hurts him, but I don't think this knocks him out just yet. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I had never seen an onside kick like this where, you know, it touched the guy at like the nine and a half, nine and three quarters mark of of the yard line, but right before that 10-yard line. That was as close as it could possibly get. And I was sitting there watching it freaking out. I'm like, did Oklahoma Oklahoma cover that? I mean, but obviously it ricocheted off of them. But they were so close. And, I mean, had they tied it up, who knows? That could have been Jalen's Heisman moment. But let's continue. Ohio State. Oh, my gosh. Ohio State. Hunter, I really did wish we would release the preview episode now because one of my best bets was Ohio State minus 14. And I talked about how Chase Young would be dominant. And guess what? He was. He had three sacks, a forced fumble. They destroyed Wisconsin 38-7. to And they really proved to me that they're the best team in the country. Yeah, definitely. Ohio State is my new number one team. You had been talking about it, and you know I thought they were definitely top three, but this weekend they really proved that they are the most complete team in the country because Wisconsin is a solid team. They just don't have a passing game, and – Ohio State jumped all over that on defense. The offense rolled. Uh, It was a little bit of a slow start. It was looking like Wisconsin was going to cover there for a while. But Ohio State, eventually, they got rolling, and they just destroyed Wisconsin. They're definitely my number one team now. And uh, I think, at the moment, they're a near lock for the playoff, considering that they're going to play either, what, Wisconsin or Minnesota in the championship game. And Minnesota, I know they're undefeated right now or something like that. But I don't see Minnesota beating Ohio State. Speaking of Minnesota, just for a second, it's a good story. They're 8-0, you know, and they've got a matchup on the same weekend that Alabama plays LSU, two undefeated. They are undefeated going into their matchup against undefeated Penn State. And, uh, you know, it's a good story. And P.J. Fleck was, you know, he was, you know, glamoring around, oh, we want college game day. And he was basically persuading uh, the folks at ESPN through his, his post-game pressure, presser um, to, to, to really try to convince them to do game day in the Twin Cities rather than, um, rather than Tuscaloosa, which I, which I thought was interesting. It's a good story for them. But, but, yeah, I mean, if they have to play Wisconsin again in, inside of a dome because that game will be in Lucas Oil or even Minnesota, who's good, who, P.J. Flick has got them on the right track, no doubt about it, but they don't have the talent Ohio State does. Now, I am curious to see the Penn State game. The Penn State game is in Columbus, but – I don't know, Hunter, if you saw after the game, Justin Fields was talking about the conditions. He was, you know, because it was a really rainy day, really sloppy. And he said, we would have dropped 50 on these guys had the conditions been better. Mm, and I mean, I believe him, too. They looked good. I, I believe him, but I'm at the point where it's like, Justin, you know, you, you, you kind of got to settle down a little bit, man. I mean, I, they're riding high right now, but, you know, we've seen this before. Pride comes before the fall. And, and you know, Justin Fields, great kid. Hate to see that. Hate, hate. I would hate to see something like that happen to him. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Penn State give him a game. That's going to be a good one. All right. Next, Hunter, we have one team that really just we were both like we we were both on and we felt confident in, and they really stunk it up. And that's the Texas Longhorns. I mean, they couldn't stop the run. I mean, TCU was just doing whatever they could do on offense. You know, it's, it's another. They were, they were showing, you know, they were, they were trying to outperform Oklahoma's defense for how, you know, for the worst defense in, in the conference. And they lost by 10 to a TCU team that was, you know, 500 team. 
Yeah, we both had Texas minus one in this game. And we thought that was a mistake on the bookmaker's part. Instead, they showed why they are always smarter than we are. Why they're always going to get one by on us. I So I was able to watch this game up until halftime. And then I wasn't able to keep up with it in the second half. Game was over and they ended up losing by 10. I was so confused because Texas was leading at halftime. And they seemed they were struggling a little bit. But they seemed like they were going to be able to pull it out. But yeah, I, I texted you during the game. Texas cannot stop the run their defense is horrid their offense i think is overrated they they honestly do not look that good and i think that win that lsu had at texas uh first weekend is not looking as good now for lsu just at how bad texas is playing and and we'll get into the lsu game shortly but uh, i'm starting to think hunter that the, the lsu tigers my, I'm not going to say they might not be as good as we think they are. I think they're a really good team, but I think people need to start pumping the brakes on what we're watching just because based on the all the game against Auburn, I mean, yeah, LSU, they dominated every offensive uh, category in that game, but you won by three points. And one of Auburn's touchdowns came off a muff punt. And I really Auburn, I mean, Auburn was in that game for the majority of it. And, LSU, if you if you want to be one of these elite teams, you got to blow a team like Auburn out when Bo Nix is playing as bad as he was. Yeah, I've been high on LSU, but I am beginning to kind of like you said, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, I'm not as high on them as I was. I really think about it: the three big wins that have put them over the top and separated them from other teams this year: Texas, Texas is cheeks, as we now know. Florida, who played with like three quarterbacks in that game, they can't figure out the quarterback situation, and their offense is just kind of on and off. And then Auburn, who has a freshman quarterback that cannot throw the ball. He looks like Mitch Trubisky out there. And they only won that game by three points. I believe they won all of those games by one possession. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, but yeah, LSU, they're complete, but I don't think they're as complete a team as, say, Ohio State, I don't think their offense is quite up to the standard that Alabama's is. So I'm very, very excited for that game in a few weeks, as I think everybody is in Tuscaloosa. But LSU, I think they're a little bit overrated at the moment. Well, real quick, just want to highlight one Pac-12 team that outperformed and really has been, you know, kind of after their loss to USC, they're kind of back, you know, rising the ranks. And that's Utah. Utah beat a Cal team thirty-five to nothing. Yeah, Cal. I, I get their offense stinks. I get they're on their you know their second string quarterback, but Utah's defense is legit. And if if they can just get that offense continue to improve week by week, they they might have a, you know they have a shot to win the conference. And they've got a Washington team coming up on Saturday. That's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, it's in Seattle. Um, Hunter, Hunter, what what do you see out of them from the Pac-12? So I watched that full game because I had the uh, I had the over in that game, which we'll get to in a little bit. That was a horrible a horrible beat. Uh, but Utah impressed me more than anybody, maybe other than Ohio State this week, uh, especially from the games I got to watch. Their defense was suffocating. It reminded me of just a classic Nick Saban defense. Honestly, it it, it reminded me of a lot of those kind of. Uh, early 2010, late 2000s Bama teams that just swallow up teams, kind of, kind of get the ball funneling to the middle of the field, and then just kind of, just control the pace of the game, and they run the ball so well. Their running back, I should, I should know his name. 
Zach Moss. Yes, Zach Moss was an absolute stud in that game. And again, it's Cal, but he was absolutely incredible. I'm not sure how their passing game is. Honestly, when I was when I picked up the game, it was around halftime, and they already had control of the game, so they were just running the ball the whole time. So I didn't really see how good their passing game was. But everything else was near perfect, except for their kicking, which we'll get to in a little bit. Depending, uh, depending on, you know, uh, a, a few, maybe some chaotic moments in the next couple of weeks, Utah and Oregon for the Pac-12 might find themselves maybe maybe gunning for a playoff position, maybe. Yeah, I could see that because it was looking like a six-team race without Utah or Oregon uh, two weeks ago, and now it's looking like a fight for that fourth spot. Now, Hunter, for second down, let's go to the SEC. Let, let's talk about that LSU-Auburn game. First, Hunter, I want to start out with my uh, – I guess, I guess I have a message for Auburn fans. I have a message for – Gus Malzahn, Gus, Gus, Gus Malzahn apologist. Okay. Now, and this goes to is Bo Nix apologist as well. Bo Nix, I believe, is going to be a good quarterback. Do I think he is going to be this great quarterback that people are proclaiming him to be? No, I, I, I don't. And, and here's why. You watch the throws that he missed on on Saturday. Some really easy throws, uh, and he he he, he, I mean, he threw it behind some receivers. And yeah, there was a, there was a few drops, I believe, but um, he went fifteen to thirty five. His yards per attempt was not very good. Um, he had the late interception at the end of the first half where he just threw it up and said, "Seth Williams, go make a play." Right? When that is the narrative? Bad. When when is the Auburn fans? When is the narrative going to stop that it's just because of his youth? And not the fact that maybe Gus Malzahn is a terrible developer of quarterbacks and maybe Bo's got a lot of work to do. When's that going to start? Because here's the thing. Bo Nix has already played at Kyle Field. He's already played at the Swamp. He already played in front of 100,000 at at t Stadium. Yeah, that was a neutral site. But still, tough environment. I mean, there was a lot of Oregon fans there. I mean, uh, it, was, it was a raucous environment. And, and when, when is the narrative going to be it's not about his youth anymore? Maybe, maybe it's when he turns sophomore. Uh, sophomore season, it, like, Auburn fans will stop using that as an excuse. And, and the fan, like I said, I think Bo Nix will be good. But as of right now, stop blaming everything on his youth. Maybe it's yeah. the fact that Gus Malzahn is not a good developer of quarterbacks. Because right now, Auburn fans, you have an incredible defense. You have, you have a better defensive line than Alabama right now. Derrick Brown, Marlon Davidson, they're beast. But you know what? It's being wasted. It is being wasted right now. And don't even get me started on the play calling from Gus. You know, every Gus Malzahn is proclaimed to be this offensive guru. Guess what? He's not. He, he's not a guru. Uh, yeah, I agree that Bo Nix is yeah, – I don't know. Because I think that a lot of it is his youth. I think some of it is his youth. But as you said, he's had some big games now. He needs to start getting adjusted, and I think Auburn fans are hoping he would have got it. He would have been adjusted uh, before this game. I really think if if they had kind of a more experienced quarterback, if maybe like Stidham was there for another year or something, and he was able to kind of like sit behind him for a year, kind of learn the ropes, things like that, then he would have been able to come out a sophomore year and look a lot better than he is now. I think throwing him in, you know, true freshman in these big games that hasn't done much to help him. And honestly, he, he hasn't looked any better than a backup at Alabama since he's been at Auburn. 
except for that Hail Mary throw that he had to Seth Williams that Seth Williams basically snatched out of the air now, against Oregon. Now, I think what hurt Bo Nix was the hype surrounding him. Because think about it. I mean, going to the Oregon game, you had Tim Tebow himself come out and say that God specifically designed him for Gus Malzahn's offense. Yeah, uh, I also I don't trust Tim Tebow to be a quarterback whisperer either, though. It just and yeah, Tebow was a great college quarterback. Don't get me wrong, and he had he has moments in the pros. So I was I was a Tebow fan. I wore the Tebow shirt. I was all about it. But when you have to live with that kind of hype day in day out as a freshman, as a freaking eighteen year old or nineteen year old, however old Bonix is, but it, it's got to be tough. But I'm just tired of it being blamed on his youth and not the fact that Gus Malzahn can't develop quarterbacks and the fact that, hey, Bo Nix right now might not be that good. It doesn't mean he can't get better. He's just not that good right now. And Auburn fans, you should be pissed right now. You should be mad. You should be angry that this defense is being – this is a championship defense being wasted. And Auburn, uh, I believe, Hunter, that was their last road game. So moving forward, they have all home games. And I'm really interested to see that Georgia game two weeks before the Iron Bowl. I really am. Because that will tell me a lot about where Bo Nix is going to be. Yeah, they've got Ole Miss, and then I believe they have another bye. But, uh, I mean, that Georgia game is going to show a lot. And uh, Auburn fans, you, you've got to be demanding more from Gus. You've got to be. Yeah, I think a lot of people bestowed that uh, kind of title of quarterback whisper upon Gus uh, after Cam Newton when people didn't really just take in the the fact that they didn't take in that Cam Newton was just like a generational talent. They didn't take that into mind. So I think you're starting to see he's beginning to be exposed a little bit that he's in fact, not a quarterback whisperer, but yeah, I think Bo Nix has a lot of potential. I just don't think he is right for Auburn at the moment. I'm not saying to bench him. I think that's too. I'm becoming more objective as the days come on, just, you know, as my profession is, I have to be ejected. And when I look at this, I'm thinking Bo Nix is going to be good guys. Don't get me wrong. It's just like this year he was hyped up to be this great and wonderful quarterback and amazing. And, and here's my thing Tua, Tua had some hype too. And Tua obviously got, I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, they're on the same playing field and I'm just saying like in Tua situation, it helped Tua that he sat behind Jalen his freshman year until he got thrusted on into the big moment in on the second and 26 game against Georgia in the national championship, you know, he, he, he was ready and primed for that moment, but it had been an entire season leading up to that point, And it just hurt Bo Nix that he had to be thrown into the fire. And Jarrett Stidham, you're right, Hunter. He probably should have stayed. Yeah. I mean, it, I, for, for Stidham's sake, it's best for him to go to the league but if you're an Auburn fan, for Auburn's sake, it would have been best for him to stay. Because Auburn's going to beat Ole Miss. They should they should mollywop them. And then they've got a bye. Then they've got Georgia. I, like I said, that Georgia game is really interesting to me because depending on how Georgia plays against Florida, I think I, I think that game is very intriguing because Auburn still has a chance to get to nine wins before they play Alabama. They do. And as we know, Nick Saban has not beat a nine-win Auburn team. All right. Let's 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 try to speed this up a little bit, Hunter. We've got now the Mac Jones show that was in Tuscaloosa. Mac threw for over two hundred and thirty yards, three touchdowns, only four incompletions against Arkansas. Yeah, uh, I did not I did not expect that at all. I had Arkansas plus thirty two in that game because I saw Mac Jones what he did against Tennessee. It was not very impressive, but 
I didn't take into the fact I didn't take into account that they're going to game plan a lot better for this game. Obviously, I also thought that Arkansas would at least show a shred of dignity, a shred of pride in their university, and play at least a little bit. But they didn't. They folded like a lawn chair. They were horrible. Mac Jones looked fantastic. He could probably go start for Auburn right now, honestly. Oh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as say that. Mac is obviously older. He's got a little bit more of experience. I mean, obviously not in the starting position as Bo Nix, but Mac didn't. He wasn't asked to do a whole lot. He was asked to get the ball to the playmaker's hands quick. He did have that beautiful dime to Jerry Judy in the end zone. But what Mac Jones was asked to do, he did a really fine job. And really, the reason Arkansas couldn't get into that game was because they kept turning the ball over in an opportunistic Crimson Tide defense. Really, just took control of the game from the get-go. You know, caused some turn, caused some uh, fumble, got uh, two interceptions. I know uh, Trayvon Diggs had a pick six. Patrick Sertain had an interception. So, just just a big day for for the Crimson Tide defense, who I think is getting you know better each and every single week. Which I, I think is one of the reasons why. I think Auburn's defense and Florida's defense are in the upper echelon of the SEC. And Auburn's defense did a great job on Saturday holding LSU to only 23 points. And with Alabama's defense getting better and better, I, th- I think I think Alabama can hold LSU to roughly around the same. Yeah, I'm beginning to think that too. Uh, I talked about it on the would-be preview podcast from last week. And this was a huge game for Bama's defense the defense really kind of had to keep the uh, keep Bama up in the Tennessee game, and they showed up and they showed out, and they did the exact same thing in this game. I'm I'm really happy as a Bama fan seeing this defense improve because a lot of people, especially us, were worried about it early on, but they're really starting to come to their own now. A lot of these younger players are getting some more experience, so I'm excited to see how they play against LSU. In one more SEC game of note this past weekend, Tennessee slaughtering South Carolina thanks to a massive, massive second half, 41-21. to 21. Uh, Big win for Jeremy Pruitt. The Vols are getting better and better. Now they have UAB on deck. Yeah, and that, hey, that could be a trap game. UAB has had a solid season so far. So. Very well could be. And, I mean, the Blazers are only a 10-point underdog, so definitely something to keep an eye on. Let's move into third down. Let's just run through a few of these NFL games, Hunter, of note. And we will do a bigger preview episode um, that will be released on Thursday because it's 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 Alabama's fall break, so we will have some time, and we will get that out to you guys. First, I want to start with uh, Hunter. I, I I think the I mean, the Niners showed on on Sunday that they're the best team in the NFC. I've been we had both been talking about their defense, Jimmy G. You know, does does just enough, and now they're running game with Tevin Coleman. You know, blowing out the Panthers fifty-one to thirteen. Uh, I mean, who? I don't. I don't see many people. I don't see any team in the NFC West stopping the uh, Niners. Yeah, it kind of feels like uh, Alabama Clemson on the on the college side. It feels like Patriots Niners is inevitable, and anything other than Patriots Niners is going to be a disappointment in the Super Bowl. They are clearly the two best teams. And I think the 49ers are clearly the best team in the NFC right now. Now the Saints, they they have got Drew Brees back, and they have been rolling even without him, even without Alvin Kamara in some instances. But the 49ers, that defense is just 
absolutely incredible. Holy cow, they are so good. <laughs> they're And they're so much fun to watch, too. And on the offensive side of the ball, they're exciting. Kyle Shanahan, what a play caller. Oh, my goodness. I was looking at. I was looking at some of the uh, some of the replays from that game. Just some of like the setups he had, some of the play designs was just brilliant. It was it was beautiful to watch. It was a perfectly executed game plan from from Shanahan. So I am really excited to see what the Niners do the rest of the season. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, uh, it's Nick Bosa. I mean, Nick Bosa. He's a rookie, but he is literally playing like the defensive player of the year. And we talk about better teams in the NFC. We, we can, we can, we, if we did, we we could go through every single one of their games this past weekend. Uh, we just don't have the time. But you know, the Saints destroyed a Cardinals team, like you mentioned, with Drew Brees back. The Packers. I think the Packers are really good too. And I'm not going to put them on the same level as the Niners yet because they let Matt Moore, who previously was coaching what high school last year, they let him. <laughs> I mean, this guy was coaching high school football last year, and they let him come out there and, and have as much success as he wanted to. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that the this Packers defense, they looked really good to start the season. Everybody will say it. Aaron Rodgers, here's your wish. You finally have a defense. And he squandered it, and now that he's starting to play better, the defense is playing worse. So they just the Packers just can't seem to figure it out. Another game of note was the Patriots Browns game. One of my one of my best bets of the weekend was Browns plus thirteen, which ended up being a bad beat. But it, 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 what what really just turned the corner for them was the three straight turnovers on three straight plays. You had the Nick Chubb fumble; they get the ball back. Well, yeah, yeah. So Nick Chubb fumble, Patriots score, and then they get the first handoff Nick Chubb gets he's taking it about you know 55 50 yards down the sideline and it's a sloppy game too weather conditions weren't the best and Jonathan Jones punches it out and Nick Chubb he 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 walk he immediately walks on the sideline didn't even try to get the ball but he just starts walking on the sideline patriots they you know uh, I I actually believe they punted on that possession get the ball back to the browns the next play Baker Mayfield tries to does it do a shovel pass and uh, that was the first time I'd ever seen a shovel pass get intercepted. Yeah, this was a bad game for the Browns. And they showed a little bit of fight there for a little bit, getting back into this game. But the Patriots, they're obviously the, the best coach team in the NFL. They have the talent to support, it, to support that coaching as well. And they just showed up. They, and they were able to get the job done. The, the Ravens, Browns, it's just the so Ravens bad. game is looming for the Pats on next Sunday night. Going to be a lot of fun. Yes, I'm excited. I'm also excited to see a running quarterback against that defense, how that works out. And so you, you don't have to go into this too much, Hunter, but you think the coach right now on the hot seat is Freddie Kitchens. I'll give you mine. Mine is Dan Quinn. Uh, I mean, you're 1-7 Atlanta. I don't think they're going to pull the plug just yet. I think they're going to wait till the end of the year probably because, I mean, you're 1-7. Just go ahead and let it, you know, simmer down, finish the year. He's a player's coach. Julio Jones loves him. Matt Ryan loves him. And, yeah, Shaw played well against the Seahawks. You know, they fought back in that game. But that was a game Pete Carroll didn't want to embarrass Dan Quinn too much because they were up 24 at the half, and they let them get back in there. So I think I think Dan Quinn is definitely in the hot seat. Arthur yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right there. Uh, Dan Quinn, he's probably got to go. Like you said, I've got Freddie Kitchens. That's kind of self self-explainable. So... And like I said, guys, we'll we'll get more into the NFL side of things on our next episode, which we will have more time for this week since it is fall break. But fourth down, no, this is a football podcast. We talked about the World Series last week. Let's talk about the NBA because the NBA is back. 
So just wanted to give a shout-out to another sport. Hunter, what's the thing that surprised you the most through the first week of the season? I think what surprised everybody, maybe not as much as you would think, but the Warriors just suck. They do not look good at all. Uh, They got the win last night uh, over the Pelicans. But other than that, they have looked absolutely horrible. It's obvious that kind of the loss of Klay Thompson and obviously losing KD uh, to free agency has hurt them. Steph Curry, he's not one of those guys that you can lean on and can play every night. Everything that that all these LeBron stands have been saying for five years now, Turns out it's true uh, about Steph Curry. The Warriors, they're not looking good. Uh, talked about it, or I uh, tweeted out Sunday from the Down and Distance uh, Twitter account. The Warriors, they look like the NBA is just going to like gang up on them, gang up on them this year. I mean, everybody wants their revenge, and they're kind of seeing, they're kind of, uh, they're smelling some blood in the water right now. Yeah, I mean, they're asking Draymond Green to do way too much on the offensive side of things. That's just not who he is. They're asking, you know, him to get 17, upwards of 17 to 20 points a game, and that's just, you can't, he doesn't do that. Um, for me, the biggest surprise, I mean, not the really biggest surprise, but the thing I'm thinking I'm most, I'm most impressed with through one week is just how overall competitive the league is right now, how exciting and how fun each game is. And every game is a close ball game, it feels like. And I, I want to I tell you the team that's impressed me the most so far. They play the Nuggets tonight, but that's the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks are going to be a playoff team in the West. They're going to make some moves, and everybody who sits there saying, oh, this this is the best duo, Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, AD, yeah, those might be better duos than the two I'm about to mention. Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, the little European flavor. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, they, I'm not a Mavs fan, but these two guys are really fun to watch. Um, I love basketball, and I love watching them play. And I, I think the Mavs are primed to get in that seventh spot or that eighth seed this year. Yeah, they, they've looked solid. Really, like you said, the whole league has been fairly balanced. There's a few teams that have just been downright awful. The Hornets, one of those, they've been really bad so far. But other than that, you're seeing some bad teams that are – like some teams that you did not expect to play as well really show up. Uh, the Phoenix Suns getting a huge win over the Clippers – the Hawks are playing well. Trey Young is playing really well. So it's going to be a really good season. And as we close, best bets for me on Saturday went two and three. I, I had a bad beat with Marshall, minus four and a half. What, what happened there was they, they were up 17 nothing. They let Western Kentucky get back into the game. Western Kentucky actually ended up tying the ball game at 23. Marshall's on the drive to score. Two plays before Marshall kicked the game-winning field goal, their quarterback threw a ball into the end zone. It hit a wide-open, thundering herd receiver in the chest, and he missed it. So instead of Marshall winning by three, they would have won by seven had they had they held Western Carolina, Western Kentucky from scoring. But I mean, they won on a freaking like fifty-six-yard field goal. You just don't see that in college. But LSU was a bad beat, too. I mean, they let Auburn uh, – LSU would have covered had they made one more extra point that they missed. And, um, and I mean, they let Auburn get a backdoor cover, like I said, late in that game. I gave you Ohio State. I lost to Texas as well. But, yeah, it was um, – it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't the greatest day on Saturday for me. Yeah, I actually went one and four on my best bets. However, I was still – actually, I think I was even on Saturday, uh, but was in – 
in the green uh, because of a parlay bet. And also, I bet on a little bit of basketball. 5-0 and oh in the year on basketball so far. So we'll see how that continues. Uh, but I had Wisconsin team total over 17.5. I texted you like, right at the beginning of this game. It was raining. I absolutely hated that pick from the beginning. Uh, I just got blinded by the plus 105, I think, by the odds on that. I got fooled by the bookmakers. Uh, Texas minus one we thought was a lock. Texas, their cheeks, it turns out. Arkansas didn't even show up in the state of Alabama. Uh, the Colts minus six. They ended up getting the win just barely, but they were very underwhelming. My only win was Kansas and Texas Tech. Uh, the Over 64 and a half. That game went exactly like I thought it would, which is always nice. I had a horrible beat. I talked about it a little bit earlier. Utah and Cal had over 36 and a half points. Utah was up 35 nothing early in the third quarter. Surely they're going to get those, either another touchdown, get a field goal or something. There's about three minutes left in the fourth quarter. 32-yard field goal attempt for Utah. On the right hash, and he keeps it right. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't trust college kickers. I know that, but a 32-yard 32 yard, 32 yard, yard field goal, that was that was excruciating. I saw a lot of people online uh, were, were talking about that because I think a lot of people had that number because it was a little bit too low for a college game, and Utah was kind of expected to cover that by themselves just because of how poorly Cal's defense has played uh, last few weeks. But that was excruciating, I do have to say. Yeah, Cal, Cal is also pretty – they 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 have a they have a they're pretty inept on offense as well. So that's another reason why that number was so low. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite bets that I hit, and we'll close on this note, was last night. I had to sweat it, but it was a winner. Dolphins plus fourteen. Uh, they they got up to a fourteen nothing lead, and I thought I was smooth sailing. But as you guys know, the Steelers uh, scored twenty seven unanswered points, and uh, it it was a sweat at the end. But, I mean, the Dolphins were just trying to give that game away with the turnovers, and uh, and then uh, they held the Steelers to a field goal on one of their final possessions, so uh, that secured the cover. But, um, but yeah, Dolphins plus 14. I, I, this is like the second week out of three weeks I've done the Dolphins, and they've covered, so shout out Miami. Yeah, that's a gutsy pick right there. All right, Hunter, we will be back later on this week for a – preview episode with a little more in detail you know we'll make sure that this next episode is really good for you guys but thank you for wa- thank you for listening and we look forward to putting out some more great content check our twitter page out at distance down thank you for listening have a great weekend or have a great week i'm sorry see you